Hello, friends. This is David Pasqualone with the Remarkable People Podcast. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 38, The Tony Guarnaccia Story. The Remarkable People Podcast. Check it out. The Remarkable People Podcast. Listen. Do. Repeat. For life. Hello, my remarkable friend. You are in store for a treat with today's episode. Not only does it include a remarkable man, but it shows the importance of the legacy of a remarkable woman and his mother, how her hardships and her steadfastness and her diligence to not quit but succeed translated to her son her marriage, her family, and then you get to hear the remarkable story of Tony G and what he was able to see, experience, endure, and conquer. Learn in this episode how he did it, and you can too. Before we start this remarkable episode, I just want to thank our sponsors. We have two amazing sponsors today. A sponsor that's been with us since the beginning of the show, Pam Heinold Realty. Pam Heinold is in Pensacola, Florida. Her team covers the entire area, and they specialize in finding your dream home. Whether you're looking to relocate, whether you're looking to upgrade or downgrade, but you're looking for a home that you love, call the Pam Heinold team. That's Pam Heinold, P-A-M-H-E-I-N-O-L-D dot com. You will get access to see what's available, but then give her a call, let her know that Dave sent you, and you will not be disappointed. Second, we have a new sponsor today, Lloyd's Auto Glass. Lloyd's Auto Glass, I've been friends with the owner since, oh, 2010. Great human, great businessman, but what you care about is a great windshield replacement. And not only does Lloyd's Glass fix and repair all makes and models of vehicle, current and classic beautiful cars, but you get a box of really great stakes when you bring your vehicle in. And with this special offer for the Remarkable People podcast, you're not only going to get service for your auto glass replacement, or did you know that Lloyd's Auto Glass also does recalibration of your ADAS cameras? You know those cameras, the sensors when you're backing up and it's like, stop, you're going to hit something? Yeah, those need to be set up right or it can cause you all sorts of problems, right? Lloyd's Glass also recalibrates. So go to Lloyd's. Tell them the Remarkable People podcast sent you, and they're not going to give you just one box of really great steaks when you get your windshield or calibration completed, but they're going to give you two. So go ahead and let them know that you heard about them on the Remarkable People podcast, and you will get two boxes of really great steaks when you get your windshield replaced or your calibration reset. So thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to you for being here today. We love you. We're so thankful you're here so we can grow together. And now, enjoy this remarkable episode with our friend, Tony G. Tony, how are you today? 
Fantastic. Thanks so much for having me here today. Oh, man, I'm excited to have you. For our listeners, Tony and I have actually, we met about a month ago, a month and a half, Tony. Yeah. Yeah. And Tony is an authority on digital marketing. He's grown over 10,000 small businesses, worked for Fortune 500 companies, and he is great at advertising. He's great at leadership and entrepreneurship, but he also has a remarkable story. So Tony's going to share with us today his story, and then he's going to transition into a segment talking about different things we can do in our businesses to help us grow during this crazy global economic time. And then he's also going to give a special offer to the Remarkable People podcast listeners. So Tony, man, I'm excited to have you. Nobody wants to listen to me. They want to listen to you. So start with your story. Go as far back as you want from childhood, birth, 12th grade, whatever you feel necessary to make it whole. Sounds good. Uh, so I'll start with kind of where my, my business journey really started. So I grew up in small business. My parents had an Italian bakery. You're talking about Italian. They had a, a small business, a bakery. Uh, when I was 12, they were fantastic bakers, the best bakers you can imagine. Unfortunately, they didn't know what they didn't know about growing a small business. And so at the age of 12, it failed and we lost everything, the house, the car, you know, literally everything we owned was gone. And so uh, the three of us, myself, my father, my mother, had to move into my oldest sister's basement. And so we lived there for about a year until we rebounded. My dad got a job. We got ourselves back on, on our feet. And then years later, I decided I wanted to go to college. So I went to the University of Connecticut. We talked about that. And I wanted to study entrepreneurship because I wanted to kind of, looking back at myself now, understanding myself, I kind of wanted to redeem the past. And so I go there, get um, uh, my degree, and then leave college after graduating and started another bakery. This time, the internet was getting started. And so I, I created one of the first online bakeries. And what we could do that was really different was we could take a cake, put a photo on it, and mail it across the country and have it arrive perfectly. Uh, we later get, uh, came up with the technology to put a photo on it. Like you see in the bakeries today, we can put a photo on it. So we turned that business into a promotional products company. And in fact, nice. we were very early on this and we won best new product at the New York Incentive Show. So it was really cool. And from that, we got a lot of traction. We got celebrity clients like Jennifer Lopez and Jay-Z. We were able to do cakes for IBM and, and Sony and Microsoft, amazing companies. Unfortunately, I didn't know what I didn't know about growing a business. And so here we are with all this success and, and acclaim, uh, but there were certain things I didn't know. And so that business failed as well. But the stakes personally for me were much higher. So at that point, I was newly married and had a baby on the way. And so I said to myself, I don't know what I'm doing, clearly, uh, but who does? And that's when I started my journey to work with the best companies in the world. So I, I went after the jobs that would get me working for the Fords of the company uh, of the world, the ADPs, Google. I worked with some of the greatest companies, and that was kind of what launched me to where I am today to take all those areas that I learned and bring it to small businesses. That's awesome, man. Now, when you're going through that, you're like, I'm going to redeem my family name. I'm going to start my bakery. And then you have the success. And then you start seeing it slip away. What's that do to you mentally? Like, what, what was that struggle like and journey? It was tough. I mean, it was particularly tough because uh, I was newly married. 
So I felt it wasn't so much me. It was more of what I was doing to my, my new wife. Honestly, that was the biggest challenge. And so we found ourselves in my, I have, I have um, four older sisters. So I went to my second oldest sisters this time. So we're going through the sisters. So hopefully not any more sisters, but sister number two, uh, we moved in her basement and we literally survived because there wasn't jobs back then, like for what I did. Uh, so we survived off the selling my old uh, Star Wars, He-Man and G.I. Joe toys. That's really what we did. We used, we became experts at eBay, lived off of that until I found kind of what I could do. And, and the funny thing is I was looking for a job in search engine optimization. And believe it or not, back then, nobody heard of it. So I couldn't find any jobs. So I ended up getting a job uh, that a little company that was working in automotive. And they had a big need for SEO. I had a huge need for a job. And so it was perfect because they hired me that day. I started like the next day because they were as, as much need as I was. And then that company ended up just exploding, working with a lot of the top dealers in the world a lot of the top automotive manufacturers and ultimately got acquired by ADP, which is really where my career really took off a whole other level. Awesome, man. Yeah. And what, and what year was this when you were, when you first met that organization? Uh, let's see, this was, uh, probably 2003, 2002, something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, people were just starting to mainstream cell phones and the internet was out, but not to the level of what we know today. We yeah, wouldn't started- be having a zoom call. No, no. I started my internet business, the bakery, in '97, right as I was in college, graduating. And you know, back then there wasn't Google. It was Alta Vista and Lycos and all these search engines that aren't even around today, for the most part. And that was kind of where I got my training wheels. And at the time, we were ranking number one for birthday cakes and corporate gifts. It's crazy. And so that's how we end up getting in front of these a lot of these big companies for SEO. But it wasn't known as a niche back then. Like there was nobody hiring because no one even heard of it. And I, even back then, I remember saying when Google first came out, I said, what, how in the world are they going to make money? They don't have any ads on their site. You know, that was before yeah. they had ads. And now <laughs> here they are today. Yeah, I remember I was working for Gateway Computers. Yeah. And they're like, hey, use Google. I'm like, what's Google? Yeah. And like, they're like, you should buy the stock. It's going to do great. And I was like, man, this looks great. I love the simplicity of it. But I was like you. I'm like, is it going to stick? Yeah. So now you look back, should have put everything I had in Google. Absolutely. It's crazy. So, well, let me ask you a question before we move on. Because how the show works is we have, you tell your story. Yeah. Then you tell like something that you really think this was very difficult. And here's the steps how I got through it. Yeah. So the listeners can also, we can share and learn and grow from it. So what do you think one or two really good lessons were from that. Cause I mean, I know in my life, some of the best lessons were from the quote unquote failure, Yeah, but it led to future success. So what lessons by this age, you know, you're, you watch your parents bakery go down, your, your company went down and then you got a job now with the company that's going to be bought by ADP. But prior to that, what are the lessons you learned that you took through to today that make you successful? Absolutely. So I think the main, what, the reason why the business failed back then was I didn't really take into account profitability and how that works, the numbers. I was so focused on growth and, and new customers, basically. I didn't really take into account profitability. So what happened was the shipping companies increased their cost for, sh- for shipping because the cakes were very dependent on dry ice and UPS and FedEx. And so mailing them across the country there wasn't a lot of margin. And so when they raised their, their prices, that really put us in a difficult spot. 
And then even from a marketing perspective, we won best new product at the New York Incentive Show. And what I learned from that was to put as much time or actually more time in the follow-up than in the, in the marketing to, to drive the event because we had, we literally had like direct marketing news wanting to write an article about it. Like we had so much buzz. We had the busiest booth there. What I didn't think through at the time, again, I was young. I was like 27 or 26, but I didn't realize how important the follow-up would be and how quick, quickly it has to happen. So we had so much interest in some cases, I was getting back to people months later, and that just wouldn't fly, especially when you're working with big companies. So those were just some of the small tactical issues that I, I discovered the hard way, unfortunately. Yeah, but that's great advice. So if you're listening now, you know, we always talk about customer service and customers first, but anybody who's done a trade show or event show, you got to respond right away. Even right. if it means staying up late nights and pounding through those back then business cards, now it's just reconnecting and, and writing those emails. So Awesome, dude. So now you get on with this organization, your SEO, which yeah. before people were even calling it SEO, right? Correct. And then now you're hooked up with this automotive organization. Take us from there. Yeah. So basically, um, when I was with the small automotive dealership, uh, basically agency, I was responsible for all their SEO, for all their dealers. So we're talking thousands of dealers. And one thing I always learned was that I mentioned this on a, a another podcast I was on a while back, but the importance of kind of riding the wave and really where I've gotten to at every stage of my career and business has really been the result of why riding the wave that's out at the time. And so even when I was, you know, getting started in my career, I remember thinking, wow, you know what? I bet search engines will be something big someday. You know, again, now we take that for granted, but back then it wasn't. I remember thinking, wow, databases are probably going to be pr pretty important. I should learn something about data. I remember in college, I learned Microsoft Access, and I thought it was really cool, just the capabilities of it. Now, the whole world is built on data. So I was very early in on all this, but essentially, the first wave I rode was the data, you know, kind of, and that gave me a lot of opportunities there. But then when I got into the agency world, SEO was huge because no one else did it. So literally, people would have me talking to the huge companies, you know, AutoNation and you know, Subaru, huge companies about SEO. But then the biggest wave of my life came, which was what really led us up to that acquisition. So this was when Google AdWords really took off. And I was one of the first people to really grow uh, Google AdWords accounts. And so what happened was our little agency was starting to get a lot of traction, got the attention of a Fortune 500 company, ADP, which at the time, had a dealer services division. They acquired our company and that's kind of why I got in the big leagues. So, you know, and kind of riding the wave, the other lesson, you know, to give a lesson now, it's probably, maybe it's out of order, but it's on my mind. Is it okay to do a lesson now? Dude, it's your show, man. Whatever you want. Absolutely. So one of the things I learned about riding the wave, it's also the people you meet and the opportunities that come up. And so one of the opportunities I had was to meet the CEO of ADP. So here it is, a CEO of a global company, Fortune 300 company, and I have a chance to meet him because he would visit the different acquisitions. And so I, said, I always say to myself, how can I make the most of this opportunity? Because this is kind of one of those life, once in a lifetime opportunities. And so what I did was I did some research on ADP corporates, you know, the HR payroll side about their SEO. And when I met the ADP CEO, I said, by the way, how come when someone Googles your name, you're nowhere to be found. 
you know, how come when I Google these terms, you know, where he said, basically he hired me on the spot to run all of H all of ADP's SEO. So it was amazing because simultaneously I was in the de- dealer world, which is business consumer. And I was working at the highest levels. And then I had the opportunity to do the same thing in B2B. So I basically had two jobs simultaneously. So I constricted all I had to learn basically in just a very, very short period of time. And it gave me access. I mean, I used to be in CMO roundtables with like, you know, the top companies in the world, very exclusive at Harvard University, that kind of level. And it was just amazing because it was, it was really just a matter of being prepared for when an opportunity comes up to, to take the fullest advantage of that, that time. Yeah, exactly. And you asked the thoughtful, you prepared, you asked the right question and you yep. seize the opportunity and God delivered, man. That's great. He, did. he always does. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, dude. That's so awesome. And so, okay. So go on from there. Now, juggling two opportunities sounds great, but there's only 24 hours in a day. How did you manage that and a family? Yeah, it was a challenge. I mean, at the time I, so the other mindset I learned was don't try to do it all. So when I was starting off, I kind of was trying to control everything and, and I was finding my breaking point and I could go pretty far. I mean, I'm very efficient and can run, you know, very scalable, but you know, once you get to 2000, 3000, 5000 accounts, it doesn't matter how good you are, you're going to be overloaded. So then I kind of learned the value of, of delegating and, and not being greedy and trying to do it all your, yourself, but kind of teaching others, help them execute. And, and really my leadership you know, capabilities grew during that period of time. So the answer of how to manage that was to, to not take it all, to, to, to hire people that can do it. And sometimes, a lot of times, hopefully, they're better than you are at it. And they get to grow, you get to grow. And that really is how the tide raises everybody up. How long were you with that organization, with ADP? We went through a couple of acquisitions. I did acquisitions for them. Uh, but the whole uh, period of time was probably about a decade. About a decade. Awesome. Yeah. So then now at this point, your family's growing, you're having more kids. Yes. You're working hard. You got plenty to do. You're learning about leadership. You're growing. And then now where you go from there? Yeah. So basically ADP did a bunch of acquisitions. I was on one, actually the really good experience I had was I did a $400 million acquisition uh, in all places. We talked about this before, Seattle. And, and that was kind of the breaking point for me because I was commuting from Rhode Island to Seattle, you know, several times a month. And I was, I had TF my, Green Airport, right? Yeah. TF Green all the way out to Seattle. <laughs> it was, it was a haul. It was a haul. Uh, and so at that point I had my third, my third child, my daughter, and it was just too much. And I, I decided to kind of, you know, think about other directions. And it really kind of brought me back to my entrepreneurial roots, roots though, because my whole mission in life really has been to help others with the areas they're missing, you know, to fill in those areas that they don't know, they don't know. And that was kind of what drove me to go back, the combination of the travel. And then ultimately I got offered the opportunity to move out to Seattle or take a severance package. So I took the severance package, which gave me a year, basically a year runway to start my agency. So, you know, God worked out perfectly because I had, you know, everything was funded. It was almost like getting an investor. So I had everything funded and I used that to start my agency, Big Fish Results. And then now two years ago, I started a training company and consulting company, but that was really the whole start of it. Roughly eight years ago is when I made that transition. Yeah. And that's awesome. So you already had in your mind, you're already starting to get the, the good natural discontent 
time to move and then God gives you a year's severance to, yeah. to start up. That's fantastic, brother. Yeah, yeah, I remember when my kids were little, same thing. I mean, y- your kids ask you if you're going to be there in the morning when they wake up and it breaks your heart. And anybody yeah. out here listening, we have listeners. I just checked today, 61 countries. People are listening in over 61 countries. It's crazy to me. Wow. Um, so if you're listening in America, Canada, or any country in the world, man, we thank you for listening. But if you have a job or position where you travel all the time, people who don't travel all the time think, oh, it's so exciting. You get to go all these places. And it's not, man. A hotel yeah. looks like a hotel no matter how nice it is. And you start getting worn out and you get just road weary. Yeah. And every time you're home, you just want to stay home and eat in, right? And then your oh, yeah. family wants to go out. Yeah. And then when your kids look at you, that was a breaking point for me. Same as you. I mean, yeah. very yeah. similar to what you're saying. Yeah. My son asked me if I'd be there in the morning. I'm like, yes. And yeah. I, I gave my company notice, yeah. but I resigned that night. I'm like, whether it takes you six weeks or six months, I'll hire, hire the replacement. I'll train them. But I'm like, I can't keep doing this and not seeing my kid. So that's awesome that you had that opportunity. Yeah. And then what happened to your family at that point? By being home, I mean, what happened there? We doubled. <laughs> now we have six, but <laughs> that's, that's a whole other story. But uh, That's a good relationship, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it went well. You know, we, we ended up moving. Actually, uh, we were in Rhode Island. We moved to Connecticut. Um, we, we got a, a bigger place, a bigger family. You know, but the most important thing is I have a lot more time with my, you know, my wife, my kids. You know, I wake up, uh, you know, bring them to school. You know, go. Uh, I have a ritual with my wife. We'll usually work out together in the morning, then get breakfast, coffee. So we, we have a much better lifestyle than we did before. And not to say it's been easy. There's been a lot of sacrifice. Having your own business, you know, it's not easy. The stakes are higher and there's no one. It's all you. <laughs> you know, success or failure, it's all of me. You're not saying part. it's just total relaxation and fun? You're, no. You're saying there's stress involved? There, there can be stress. <laughs> it, is, it is a known fact, but, um, but from a family perspective, a, a no brainer. Yeah. And that's awesome, man. I'm so happy for you. So, okay. So talk to us now. So you start this business, you get a year and you call it big fist. That was a the name? big, a big fish, like a fish. big fish. Okay. Big, big fish. fish. I thought you said big fist. No big okay. fish. Cause the whole idea was, and it's interesting how that concept I had back then is consistent to where I am today. But the whole idea of big fish was to take the strategies, tools, and tactics of the best companies, the largest companies, and bring it to small businesses. So even back then, you know, that was kind of where the idea came from. And now I'm kind of seeing that through to for the vision actually coming through more to fruition today than it ever has. Yeah. And I'm excited because I know reading through your bio and your one sheet and looking at your website, that growth mentality and that help mentality and that taking these concepts and making them real. We're going to share some of that with the listener. Yeah. So if you're a business owner, an entrepreneur, Tony's got you covered, but I don't want to miss any of your story. Yeah. So at this point, you launch your company, everything's going well, obviously not like rainbows and butterflies. You got work to do, Yeah. but you're growing it. Your family's thriving. What else is going on with that? Where are you at in the sense of the struggles you're facing in that business and how did you overcome those to get the stability you're at today? Yeah. So the agency world is a difficult world. Uh, it's very hard to keep clients, you know, happy with their results. Uh, and it's a real challenge because a lot of times businesses themselves, especially small businesses aren't ready for marketing. And that was a big problem I noticed was that businesses didn't have the foundation necessarily. So kind of the theme I talk about a lot 
is you don't know what you don't know. This is really the the kill, you know, what kills small businesses. And so that's why, you know, two years ago I just started decided to start Results Trained and Results Club to to give training and coaching to small businesses. So what what I discovered is like a lot of times they don't know how to price their products properly, you know, just like the problem I had. They don't have a value proposition, so they don't have the foundation of why people should go with them as opposed to anyone else. Sometimes they don't even have the products and services defined. And so that was the big gap because there was a lot of training companies out there that'll teach you SEO or Facebook, and they're all really looking at the, you know, how do I do something? Like, how do I do podcasting? How do I do SEO? How do I do Facebook? When really the fundamental question they should start with is what do I need to do? That's the starting point. And that's the area I found the biggest gap because no one's talking about it, frankly. So that's why I wanted to start in that area to help small businesses. Yeah. And when you're working with small businesses, one frustration that I get, that I have when I consult is they have these companies come in, promise them the world, Mm. say how they're going to grow their organization and the companies get excited, but they don't have the infrastructure in place to handle the growth. And they never consider the ramp up capacity. And these companies don't talk to them about ramp up capacity. Do you see that in your business as well? Yeah, I mean, scalable, there's, there's a lot of challenges with being a small business owner, which is why the reality is only 70% are successful after, you know, within 10 years. And the numbers decline even further after that. And it's a real, it's a real shame. And so that's my mission to help with that. So yeah, there's two, there's, there's really three kinds of companies I work with. The first one is the ones that are stuck. Like they just can't get to the next level. And a lot of times those are, you know, generational businesses, maybe the second owner isn't as passionate about it. So there's no real drive and they're having a hard time just getting to the next level or they just can't figure out what to do. That happens all the time. The second area is really the ones that want to scale. So they want to go from six figures to seven figures, seven to eight, eight to nine, et cetera. And then the third category, which unfortunately is happening way too much now, are those that are in crisis. So I consider a startup in crisis as well, but these are companies that have been established and they're you know, hitting a wall uh, and, they're, and they possibly could go out of business or a startup, they're all magically in the crisis mode because they haven't figured things out. They don't know what, how their products are going to fit the market. They don't know how to operationalize. So there's different, what I, from my experience, there's different problems at each stage a business is at, whether they're six, seven, eight, each one has its own unique problems. Sometimes it's operational issues, like they can't figure out how to make enough stuff. Other times it's really a marketing and messaging issue could be their offers. So different stages requiring figure out different, you know, how to solve the different problems that come along. Yeah. There's no perfect utopia where a business hits this miraculous place and everything's fine. There's always problems. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. All right, man. So now you're helping these companies grow. You start the training and coaching company. Yeah. What from here? Like, did we miss anything? I don't want to move forward without hitting everything you want to cover. Is there anything else in your past or your story that you want to share with the listeners that you feel like is important to help them grow and just to, to get your message out? Well, probably the biggest story isn't my story, uh, but it's been fundamental to kind of my life and where I'm at today. It's actually the story of my mother. And so my mother grew up during another pandemic, essentially. It was uh, polio. So back in the late 1930s, uh, unfortunately, millions of children, children were contracting this virus 
And at the age of you know nine months, my mother contracted and wasn't able to walk until 14 years old. So most of her life was spent in quarantine, which it's hard to even fathom today. I mean, we have a hard time being quarantined for six months. She was quarantined for most of her childhood. And you know, that, that, what did that mean? I mean, no seeing her parents, her, her sisters, you know, no real physical contact with people, uh, and worse off, not even be able to walk. And so I asked her years ago, not even now, but of course it comes up, comes up again, but how did you make it through that period of time? Like, how can you survive that and thrive during that and ultimately be able to walk? She's able to, you know, her goal was to, by the time she was 14, to wear high heels. I said, well, how did this work? And that was really the inspiration behind my book. So that's why I talk about growth in life and in small business. It's not just about business, but your life, it's a lot of, a lot of it's integrated. And so what she told me was the secret to these challenges is to break things down. So when you're facing something insurmountable, you know, a really big problem, whether it's in your business or your life, break it down. Hence the, the idea of small steps. And so when she was in the hospital, they would have her, you know, work on her uh, nervous system by, you know, working with clay. Then they have her strengthening her muscles by, by going in the pool. Eventually they have her taking steps, small steps, steps you know, step by step until she was able to actually walk and be independent. And that's really, you know, when someone goes through that, that's really their goal in life is to be independent. They, nobody really wants to be dependent on other people. And so how is that relevant today? So if you want to grow a business, you have to be able to take small steps and break things down. But it's not just the fact of taking small steps, they have to go in the right way. So you first have to know what steps to take. Then you have to know how to take the steps. And then you have to actually take the steps. You have to take the action. And this, this is a problem I see with businesses all the time. You know, like I said before, they focus on the how. How to do SEO, how to do Facebook, et cetera, without first taking account what they want to do. In other words, in the, in the corporate world, they call it strategic planning. What is their strategy and what is their plan? And then finally, and who hasn't done this? They don't take action, right? So a lot of times we know what to do. Oh, I know what to do to lose weight. My nutritionist gave me a strategy. Then I know how to do it. Well, you have to do the exercise, you have to do, eat properly, et cetera. Here's the third one, right? You have to do it, right? So it's, it's all those three have to come together to drive success in anything. It's not just business, it's life. And if you don't have those three areas, you're not going to hit your goal. That's awesome, Tony. To the listeners, are you ringing any bells? Did you know what our slogan is? No, no, I forget. What is it? It's listen, do, repeat for life. So exactly what you're saying is you listen, you learn it, you do it, you repeat it every day and you have a great life. Yeah. So yeah, man, Tony's dead on. He's spot on. Yeah. And yeah. I see, let me ask you a question. I see the picture of your mother and I see these photos that are just awesome. Yeah. These are in Tony's book, uh, Small Steps Manifesto to Business Resilience. Do you mind if I share a couple or one of the pictures or two on the website? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I won't share the whole book. Obviously, you guys can go out and check it out, and I'll put a link to the book. But um, I'll put a couple of these pictures so they can see your mom and what she had to go through. It's crazy. Yeah, the third one, the other, the first two, I weren't wasn't able to find a picture with her with the ventilator. But the third picture is actually her. That's my mother. Oh, the third picture of is my mother in in there with in the in the polio pictures. The third one's my mother. Oh wow! Okay, she's got on the she's got the uh, cane, the crutches, and the yes. cast on her leg. Yes, that's actually her. Yep. 
That's crazy. Awesome. I'll put that in the show notes. So, all right, man. Well, yeah, you're such a wise man because you're not only learning from your life, but you're learning from those around you. And that we all know is, you know, why learn the hard way when we can learn from somebody else? Yeah. So looking at the scope now, and again, I don't want to skip anything. Is there anything we missed in your past or in your story that you want to cover before we move into today and where you're headed? No, I think those are the most pertinent areas. I mean, that's that's really the key. What I found and where I'm in, where I'm at today is really those components. You know, the only other thing I would mention, just in terms of the the what, like don't take that lightly. Like at the at the corporate at the Fortune 500 level, we literally used to spend months planning a room full of people, a spreadsheet of like 20, 30 tabs, broken down. Here's what happens if we do this. Here's what happens if we do that. Different scenarios, etc. Average small business, they spend more time planning their wedding, you know, planning their vacation than they do their business, which is just crazy to me. And then they wonder why aren't things working? Well, you got to put the time in up front to understand what you want to accomplish. And that's ultimately how you're going to guide you to your success. You want success to happen by chance. It's going to happen by planning. I agree completely. And again, you do not have to agree with me. I'm a big believer in reverse engineering. I'm a big believer in you set the vision. And yeah. then you reverse engineer those steps from there. And then you right. work the plan. Yeah. How would you just, do you, first off, do you agree with that? And then second, if you do, how would you describe that? Because you just said a huge truth. Most small businesses, most businesses don't do that. So how would yeah. you describe that to them? And what should they be doing? Absolutely. So you always want to have a vision of where you want to go. Without vision, people perish. And so you need to have that vision of where you want to go and what you want to accomplish. But then from there, you want to kind of, um, I mean, I'm a big fan of modeling. So if you look at my manifesto, I actually have models. So you don't have to recreate the wheel. And Tony Robbins always says this. If you want to have success, find someone that's done what you want to do and copy what they're doing, or better yet, get them as a mentor. And guess what? There's a high likelihood you're going to have the same result. So you, you don't have to recreate the wheel. So when I say planning, so traditionally people are scared to plan because, you know, A, it's, it can be a challenge, it can be difficult, it can be time-consuming, they don't know how. Or you know, if they plan and they don't hit it, then they might consider themselves a failure. And so psychologically, people don't want to do that. But the reality is, you don't have to start from scratch. You can look at someone that's had success, model what they're doing. How do you do that? Well, you can look at what they're, you know, from an SEO perspective, you look at the keywords they're using, you can look at their website, you can understand who they're targeting, you can look at their offers. So much information is right there out in front of you where it's very simple to, to model them. And that's essentially why I created my framework called the results loop. So you can literally plan by modeling. That's the whole basis of it. Yeah, now that's awesome. Now, the program that you've developed, we're going to talk more about specifics and ideas. But while we're on the topic, if someone wanted to check out the model, if somebody wanted to check into this program, what's the best way to reach you? Uh, I would go to that manifesto that we're going to share. You go to smallstepsmanifesto.com and I put in kind of the best stuff that's in my book for free in this manifesto. So anyone can download it and, and download the, the manifesto, the models. It's all available for free. Awesome, man. Awesome. And again, we'll always put links in the show notes, but that's where Tony's saying you can get it and we'll make sure you have a connection to it. Okay. So today, you are in business, you help businesses, your focus is small business. What percentage of your day is helping with, let's say, the growth cycle 
versus the just the continuation. Like, so is the company saying we're steady? We want to continue our growth at you know fifteen percent. But then you have the other companies say no, we want two hundred percent growth. What's the breakdown looking like today in this economy for you? Well, surprisingly, a lot of the companies I'm working with are are having success. I think a lot of times, I think there's always opportunity. And I think that's just my mindset. I mean, we're busy. Like today, I have more going on than I have in a very long time. I also, I still consult some big companies. Uh, I was consulting a, a, a car dealership and probably one of the top 10 in the world, like very, very large companies. So I, I will work with big companies, you know, $2 billion, et cetera, companies. And they had told me, their best month ever in the history of the of the company was in June, and so you know I I, I we can't just take it take it for granted that we're gonna suffer, <laughs> suffer and die and just you know be miserable. I, I don't believe that. I think there's always opportunity. So what you have to do is pivot to where the successes are today. And so what I'm find helping the cheese, help, right? Find the cheese. Yeah, find the cheese. Actually, absolutely. And so that's kind of where I'm helping businesses and say, okay, yeah, maybe your current business is declined. How can you pivot into another area? And I use my framework to help people with that. So the first part of the framework is your, your market. Who are you serving? So if the market you're serving today is down, what other markets are doing well? I mean, I, I talked to one of the top um, probably global, global and these are bigger companies, but it's not all I work with. I, like I said, my, my, a lot of times my wallet is with the big companies. My heart is with the small ones, but I was working with one of the <laughs> it's top, a necessary evil, right? Yeah. But uh, one of the, one of the top um, medical manufacturers in the, in the world, I was talking to them just a week or two ago and guess what? They're doing pretty well, right? So there's always opportunities. So you have to find just like I'm doing in my business areas that are strong, like my big fish results company, I pivoted, it's an agency and we build a lot of websites. I pivoted into areas where we do you know, podcasting websites, believe it or not, because that's hot because everyone wants to do podcasting because they're working remotely. So you can't even buy microphones half the time now. So that's a great trigger. Say, hey, is there something my company can do to serve that market? You know, everyone's doing training now, virtual summit. So there's always areas where you can pivot. So what I'm doing is a lot of things are focused on virtual, you know, virtual summits. I'm working to put together a massive local virtual summit. You know, I'm doing um, remote coaching. So there's all sorts of things that people can do. And so to answer your question, I'm pivoting to where the opportunities are, which are all, you know, kind of virtual type things because we're not traveling anymore, which I'm okay with because I'm not crazy about traveling anymore anyway. I couldn't agree with you more that this crisis has created huge opportunity. And I think in a lot of ways, our world is going to be better for it in the end. Mm -hmm. But it does come down to resilience and it comes yes. down to resilience in life and your business. So yeah. taking the small steps that you mentioned, if you were to lay out a step-by-step plan, what would that look like for our listeners? Yeah. So for a business, this is where my framework comes in handy. So I alluded to it a minute ago, but you want to first look at your markets and say, okay, is this the market I should be in in, in today's economy in tomorrow's economy where where you know as Wayne Gretzky used to say where's the puck moving to right so you got to know kind of anticipate where are things going so yeah you, wanna, you don't want to put a jumpy place in today's economy and that would be silly exactly exactly you can't you can't sanitize after every kid exactly exactly so you want to kind of understand where that's going so that's step number one factor number two growth factor and these growth factors by the way work for any business any size it's kind of universal because these are based on principles a lot of things I build for my all my companies are based on principles, 
not tactics, but really at the strategic level. So these are universal principles. And, and in fact, borrowing from other industries is really a lot of times where innovation comes from. You know, if you look at Airbnb, they're pivoting, you know, they, they kind of adopted what's working in other industries. You know, if you look at a lot of the innovations today, they're just kind of reworks of other industries into a new model. So, uh, but factor number one is your markets. Factor number two are your products and services, otherwise known as your offerings. So are you offering the right products and services for today's market? Can you go up market? So if, you know, if people aren't buying what you have today, can you do a higher end version of it? You know, cause a lot of people that's counterintuitive, but a lot, you know, people that have money usually have money. <laughs> so maybe you go up market or maybe you want to go down market so you can take a smaller piece. So my results club, which is my monthly training, I'm basically taking my $2,000 course and breaking it up into little pieces where it's only, you know, $99 a month. So you get the same value, but it's, it's over time and smaller chunks for today's economy, for today's world. So I, that's how I pivoted in my own world, that particular product segment uh, of products and services. Then the third part is your value. That's the most important thing. So in the products and offerings, it's product services and the markets you're serving, how do you offer enough value where it's an absolute no-brainer? Why would you be the only one someone would consider, even if it meant not doing it themselves? So that's the value proposition. That's factor number three. That's kind of the glue that holds all this together. And then the other three factors are factor number four, which is how do you increase the number of new buyers? So this is new blood, people that haven't bought from you before. How do you then grow the lifetime value? Lifetime value is probably the first thing I would look at in today's economy. So Stu Leonard, you, right? Yeah, absolutely. Stu Leonard. He's, yeah. If you guys want a case study, I didn't mean to cut you off, yeah. but I cannot to this day hear lifetime value without thinking of Stu Leonard's dairy farm. And that's right and, down the road from where we both grew up. Yeah. And so you farm. probably just like, you saw it firsthand. If you, you yeah. want to tell a story about Stu Leonard, like- No, just, no go ahead. Go ahead. All right. So Stu Leonard is known, I mean, he's, I think he's passed away now, but he has a dairy farm and he's in the Guinness Book of World Records for per square inch that retail grocery, what we, it was, I don't even want to call it a grocery store because it's far beyond that. Yeah. But they would sell more per score instance in any place in recorded history, I think to date still. Yeah. But they would have anything you can imagine they'd test and they'd research and they had a customer response box where they'd actually read them and apply them. And as long as it wasn't immoral or like crazy, like crazy illegal or something, they'd do it. And they try it. I mean, they, they had a petting zoo at one point in the front yeah. so they could, you could leave your kids and go shopping. They're like, moms will spend more time. Um, if something wasn't, you know, at the right eye level, I mean, they go into a marketing research, but then they take care of their people. They'd send care packages to kids at college. And I mean, every part of that organization was stellar. But when Stu Leonard saw someone walk in the store for the first time, that new buyer that Tony's talking about, he saw... $12,482.72. That's what he saw across their head. And he knew that if he makes that person's experience good, that money's there. And that was back in the 70s. So today, right. you know, you can do the math. Yeah. But um, that's why I did not mean to cut you off. But I no, love, okay. I, as a teen, as a teenager, as a, I think I was like 19 or 20, all my friends are going out to party in Panama City and go all over the place for crazy. I'm like, hey guys, let's stop in Connecticut. Yeah. Like, what? Like, we're going to stop at Stu Leonard's Dairy Farm. I'm like, I want to see it. So they yeah. thought I was a freak. But man, just visiting that place, I learned a ton. It was just such a great experience. Yeah. That was actually, funny enough, we're going back, you know, going back in time to my, that business I told you about, the online bakery, the, uh, the photo cakes. 
Student yeah. Leonard's was the first in the country to have that, or at least that I'm aware of, and was kind of the inspiration for me to start that business. Because I went and went to Student Leonard's, I saw the photo cakes. And I was like, that's so cool. I wonder if we could ship up across the country. So that was our innovation. Our innovation wasn't the photos. It was the shipping. So we combined kind of what we learned from Stu Leonard's and our own proprietary shipping technology, but it all started with Stu Leonard's. Yeah. And see, and me and Tony didn't know this. We weren't talking about it. This is just what he's saying. I'm a firm believer that Tony did not come up with these concepts. I did not come up with these concepts. All truth comes from God. And if it yeah. works, it's in that book. And yeah. the, the principle, like he was saying, you, you talked about Tony Robbins. I mean, the dude's like a gorilla, right? Yeah. Super world, owns his own island, motivational speaker. But he says, why are you reinventing the wheel? Find something that does it right and do it a little bit better. Or, you know, yeah. And that's what you did. You saw Stu Leonard doing it. And that person's on the top of the S curve. I mean, they're so innovative. Absolutely. Dude, that's so awesome. So you're living, if you're listening now, listen to what Tony's saying because he's living what he's saying. He's experimenting with his own life. He's not just a kid who went through Ivy League schools. And there's nothing wrong with Ivy League schools. But there is a problem with going through any college and university and getting a bunch of degrees and having no practical application. Absolutely. Tony's been in the battlefield and succeeded. So, well, and that's you kind of mentioned everything comes from God. I mean, even these principles do. Like, if you look in, not to get too crazy off the topic here, but if you look at in the Bible, it talks about wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. That's really understanding what to do, how to do it, and knowing and taking the action. If you look at it, and so it, it there's so many universal principles that go back thousands of thousands a year and they're never changing. So why worry about all the tactical stuff that's changing when there's principles that you can live your life by that are going to ensure your success? Yeah, a hundred percent. I've never been in any meeting, small or large, with up to billions of dollars. I personally get to sit in and I know you have too. Nothing new, man. Nothing new under nothing the sun. New. Nothing new. And if you if you don't if you're like, no way, that's not true. Think about this. If you build a, because sh- we have, again, we have listeners all over the world, different economic classes, but good listeners. We have such a great community. But if you're listening now and you don't get it, just think of this. If you built a shed, there's a process of building the foundation, the framework, you know, the internals, and then you, you make it pretty. If you build a house, same process, different scale. If you build a mansion, same process, bigger scale. If you build a castle, same process, bigger scale. So Tony went through his, he's going through six steps and I cut him off on four, but man, listen to what we're saying. We're not geniuses. We just want to help you show you what God already laid out for you. Because even if you don't believe in God, those principles work for you too. But our hope is if you get successful and you're seeing all these success comes from God, maybe you'll trust him as your savior as well. Cause that's what it really boils down to. Absolutely. No, hundred percent. So peek up, peek, peek, pick up with point four and keep going, brother. Yeah. So point four was getting new buyers, new blood. Uh, number five is their lifetime value, which we hit on. Uh, and so this is how you increase their, their value over time. And so a lot of times businesses will try to get as much as they can out of the first interaction and then nothing else comes. So it's really maximizing the value that they receive. And by turn, you're going to increase the value you, you receive. So it's really starting with value. And growing from there. And then the, the, the last one, which is kind of similar in some ways to number uh, five, but they play well together, is loyalty. So factor number six is loyalty, which is how often do you have people come back to you? And also how often do they exhibit their, their loyalty, meaning um, referrals, 
references, case studies, all those areas will help grow your business as well. Referrals are actually probably the easiest way to grow a business. And so, you know, if you're trying to grow an established company and scale, like we talked about before, we talked about three kinds of businesses, those that are struggling, those that are kind of stuck, and those that are looking to scale. If you're looking to scale, and maybe if you're stuck, it's best to start opposite, going backwards in your curve. So you want to start with, you know, your referrals, how do you increase your lifetime value, et cetera. If you're new, if you're a startup or if you're in crisis, a lot of times you might want to reinvent the wheel and figure out kind of what's working. Then you want to go around the curve, the loyalty loop in, in the in numerical order. That's so good. Thank you, Tony. For businesses right now listening, a lot of people got stuck. You know, and I mentioned that joke, uh, the who moved my cheese, Spencer Johnson. Yeah. If you haven't read that book and you're like, I don't like to read. Listen, there's three sections. There's a setup, there's a story, and there's the explanation. You can read in an hour the story, part two, and it's so simple that you don't need to read the beginning or end. You'll, you'll yeah. get it. And if you don't, reread it, but you'll get it. And there's also a 14-minute video you can Google, Who Moved My Cheese, for the cartoon version. But that just shows the whole point is our world changed this year. And if you had a model that worked, it may not work anymore. So you got to change and find the new cheese. You've got to adapt. And exactly what Tony's talking about is true. Like, yeah, you might have been going to scale, but now your model changed. You're struggling or you're stuck. Talk to Tony. Let him help you get out of this, navigate out of these waters. But Tony, a lot of people right now is like, I don't have the money to hire Tony or anybody like him. That's why you put that $99 package together. Yeah. But for people who are like, I just need new buyers now, what would be a tip or two that you could help people listening to attract new buyers? Well, the easiest way to add new buyers is to start with, um, again, going backwards around the loop. So what I, what I, well, I'll give you my own personal example because I live by what I say. So yeah, and I, I know me and you both agree we need to start at the beginning but yeah. there's some people who are like, I'm in crisis mode. I need no. to just get new buyers. No, absolutely. That's what, that's what I'm talking about. So when this pandemic hurt, uh, hit, first thing I did was called all my past prospects and past buyers that may not even be active. So that's the lowest. So kind of what you're asking is what's the lowest hanging fruit? Lowest hanging fruit are your existing connections. So I would start with your, your buyers that you have today. See if they might want to buy more. Uh, the other people or the people that didn't buy from you or stopped buying from you go back to them. So I went to people from five years ago, 10 years ago, and got some business there. You could also go back to your referral network. So each of those people, you ask them for one or two referrals. Then what you want to do is look at people that you have associations with. Maybe it's your dentist. Maybe it's your, this is a funny one for me, because if you see on video, I don't have any hair, but you go to your barber, you know, and say, hey, do you have, you know, and then you start <laughs> conversations there, right? So it's expanding your referral network of people that could buy from you that's where I would absolutely start. It's the lowest hanging fruit by existing buyers, getting them to buy again or buy more and from referrals to get them to, you know, come back to you. So how do you actually do that at a tactical level? That's the who. How do you do it? What you want to do is add value. So, you, you know, now's the time to be building a community, Facebook community, Zoom community, however you can do it, build a community of people and give them things for free even. So if, you know, we're going to talk about this later, but like what I'm doing with my offer is it's, 90, 90, it's actually $97 a month. And what I'm doing is giving the first two months for just a dollar. 
because I truly want to help people, but it's also a no brainer because someone should see this and say, wow, I'd be crazy not to take advantage of this. I can pick Tony's brain for only a dollar. Why would I not do that? So that's an example of how you can add value to people where it's a no brainer. So even if someone hasn't bought from you in a while, a dollar is a little entry point and then you prove your value and hopefully they'll want to do more. And talk about that because I'm right with you. Like we have a lot of similarities, brother. I don't know if it's the New England or what. Yeah. So I had a podcasting made easy class, have a podcasting made easy class and it's 395 bucks, but I gave it away to any Remarkable People podcast listener and even some other organizations for $8. Wow. And they're like, well, why are you giving it for $8? Why don't you just give it for free? And the same thing with you in $1. Explain the mentality of why, because I know why. Yeah. And you need to have skin in the game. But yes. I, I have a hard time communicating. I can see it, but I can't explain it. So try to explain why you're, basic, you're giving it away for free, but why right. $1? Show, show yeah, them that's, why. That's a great question. So it's it comes down to commitment. So if people don't put any money at all towards this, they're not committed. Uh, but then also from a marketing psychology perspective, it's known as a micro commitment. So when someone has um, given you money, their mindset changed. Whether they, it's a penny or it's a dollar, what happened is they are now a buyer. And a buyer is way more valuable to you as an organization than someone that's gotten something for free. So it's, it's twofold. One, they're going to see more value from it. Uh, and two, you're going to see more value because there's commitment on both sides. You're committed to them. They're committed to you. And this, this is a time, again, there's nothing new under the sun. Billion dollar companies have been you know, made off of this. So the oldest one growing up, if you remember this, Columbia House, you could get you know, 10 yeah. CDs for a penny. And yep. that, there was the same principle because you made that commitment. You're now considered a buyer. They give you a ridiculous deal because, you know, if you're going to buy these, say $14 a piece, they're giving you basically $140 worth of value for a penny. It's a no brainer. But once you have that, they have your commitment and then you're much more, you're, I can't remember the percentage, but you're probably, you know, 500 times more likely to buy from you in the future because the tremendous value you've given. So it's always about, this is why value on my results loop is in the middle because it's what connects everything. Your value proposition is the single most important thing that you have in your business. And that answers the question, why would they work with you as opposed to anyone else? And, and the value you give, not to get too deep into this, but think of it as a bridge. So if you have a bridge, you're over here and you want to get here. And so your job is to take your customer from where they are today to where they want to be. The wider that gap, the wider the bridge, the more value you're, you're providing. Therefore, the more you can charge. How much money you make is essentially relative to how much value you give to people over time and over uh, the number of people you get. So it's the number of people you impact, the size of the impact, the duration of the biz, uh, impact, all these things take into account ultimately how much money you're going to make. So it's all about value. Yeah. So if you're listening and you have, because just like Tony and I have products we can discount like that, you do too. Yeah. Don't necessarily give it away for free. Have that little bit of cost just to engage them and then make them a customer, just like Tony said. Another thing you do is talk about the 97. My wife hates it when I do this, but 97 versus 99 or 95, there is a psychology to it. If you're listening, it's legit. It's proven statistically. Tony, talk about that too. Yeah, there's different psychological price points. And so there's different, you know, there's different barriers. So, you know, people, I mean, there's been a lot of studies on this. There was one study where I think they were giving away, 
I'm trying to remember. There's a, there's a great book. It's called Predictably Irrational. And in that book, they give all sorts of examples. But one of them were, was where people were giving, there was a, you know, lint chocolate, say. And they would give you the lint chocolate for five cents. But then they would have the Hershey's chocolate where they give it, you know, they would, uh, go from a penny to a zero. And, you know, the Hershey would do better, even though the marginal difference, you know, the, uh, the general savings was much bigger off the lint chocolate because it was discounted by five cents opposed to one cent. It's so one. So there's different psychological thresholds. So there's, you know, there's a, even though $99 is only $2 away from 101, that's a threshold. And this is something you see in every industry. Automotive does this all the time. You know, the, the car is 1997. It's not 2000, you know, it's not $20,000, It's It all makes a difference. And so there's, there's been studies about the difference between ending in nine and seven. And right now, and this can change, psychology sometimes changes, although generally we're talking about principles. So these things stay for a very long time. Yeah, there's principles and the societal influence. Correct. They're all so if everybody and their grandmother does 97, it's possible it could change. But right now, seven is definitely the most popular number to add it. So you see a lot of price points of, uh, you know, two ninety seven, nine ninety seven, or just ninety seven dollars. That's very prevalent nowadays, and so people expect to pay that. Not only because others are doing it, but that's a psychological threshold in people's minds. Yeah. And I'm a freak. I love stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I used to wait tables and wear different ties to see how the effect in my tips. So I've always been like this, but I'm glad you're explaining this to the audience. So, all right, Tony, well, listen, I feel like we've covered a lot of great ground and there's so much more to cover. What else would you like to share with the audience today? Yeah. Like, is there no, anything else, anything else you're like, this is significant. We should really cover this. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I would talk about, I talk about this a lot um, in, in my book, but the marketing revolution. So what caused a lot of these challenges we have today is the changes in societies. So this is nothing new. Things are always going to change. But one of the bigger kind of um, things that make us want to adapt is, you know, the marketing revolution. So years ago, you could have an ad, you place a newspaper and boom, you got business. Then things got a little bit more fragmented where you had, you know, radio and, and TV, so broadcast media. Things got even more complicated. Then all of a sudden, you got to the point where you had internet, right? So you had Yahoo directories. You were able to manage it. Then it got even worse because then you have to have search engines. You have Lycos and you have AltaVista, all these different search engines to the point where you need Google to solve all this. Then things got even more busy. You have social media, uh, you have to the point now where people create their own content and ultimately now you're competing against the biggest current firms in the country for media. You know, you're competing against YouTube, you're competing against Netflix, Amazon, Disney. So you're, you're, nowadays you're not just competing against your competitors, your direct competitors, you're competing against people's attention. You're p- competing for their attention. And so why do I bring this up? Well, there's really three fundamental problems. The first problem is how do you break through the clutter when there's so much coming on? How do you possibly know how to break through and engage an audience? How do you um, manage the fragmentation with so many places to be? How do you know which place to be? And then finally, the technology. How do you manage the technology? And so this makes the importance of having a strategy even more important because if you're not going the right direction, the challenges are tenfold. 
So you want to really solidify exactly who that audience is, the, all the factors of the results loop, because if you get those wrong early on, you're just going to be chasing your tail. You're going to be going in the wrong direction. So, you know, kind of my, my parting words here is to focus on really the core of what your business is and what you want to accomplish and then figure out all the tactics. So my, my one takeaway here, because it's so important, is really figure out the what. That's the biggest advice I can give anyone is figure out the what and everything else will fall into place. That is great advice because if you don't start at that, you're just kind of shooting in the air. Correct. But what did Zig Ziglar say? If you don't have a goal, you'll hit it every time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You'll hit the target every time. All right, Tony. Well, listen, it's been a true honor and a pleasure. And if if someone wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way for them to reach you? Yeah. So um, I encourage everyone to download that Small Steps Manifesto. If you go to there, you can get all the models. You can learn everything about me and my story. And then from there, you're able to, to contact me. And to do that, you go to smallstepsmanifesto.com. And I'll put a link in the show notes to that. And then Tony, you are also, you have the Results Club. Tell us about that. You had a special offer for the RPP listeners. Yes. And so the Results Club is where I have group coaching and you can uh, ask me questions directly about any area in, in marketing and strategy and sales. And then I'm going to have guests and different experts in different areas, HR, legal, anything that you need to grow a business, I'm going to give you those resources. And so it's a monthly um, group setting and it's $97 a month. But for the first two months, I'm doing it for just a dollar for this audience. And so you just go to um, resultsclub.org and put in RPP for the coupon code and you'll get the $96 discount. So it's only a dollar for the first, for uh, both months. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tony. And if you're listening, check it out. Um, Give Tony a call. Man, Tony, it's been great to hear your story, even a little of your mom's story. And I'm so happy for you. And now moving forward, how can we help you? Where's Tony going? What can we do to help you grow? Yeah, so the biggest thing I could use support with is I have a book launch coming out. And so uh, anyone that gets the Small Steps Manifesto, we're going to make sure you get an email notification of when that book comes out. Um, So any support for the book would be greatly appreciated. That's going to be launching in October. Okay, awesome. So well, I'll talk to you after the show. This podcast, obviously, it's evergreen. It'll stay as long as I keep paying my hosting fees. Yeah. But we'll try to launch it in, in coordination with your book launch. Awesome. So we'll try That'd to get fantastic. this episode launched at the same time. So check out Tony's book. You can see he knows what he's talking about and he can help you grow. Um, Tony, it's been a true pleasure. Anything else that I don't want to skip any part of your past, present, or future? Anything else we want to touch on before we go? No, I think uh, we hit the main point. So I think uh, it's really been a joy to be here. I appreciate the uh, time today and, and thanks to the audience for listening. Oh, no problem. We thank you. And to our listeners, we love you. Have a great day. And like our slogan says, like Tony said, don't just listen to this great information. Do it, repeat it, do it for life so you can have a great life. And then the one after this, this is just a warm up. Remember, 70, 80 years. After that, it's attorney. So make sure you're prepared for that most. That's it. This is Dave Pasquale with the Remarkable People Podcast. See ya. The Remarkable People Podcast. Check it out. The Remarkable People Podcast. Listen. Do. Repeat. 
for life.